Welcome to Minority Corner. With an Eke. And James. The Wonder Twins of Podcasting. Learn, laugh, play. It's like Blue's Clues. Only it's more black, queer, and ladylike. This week on Minority Corner. What you doing? Ooh, I'm talking about the best way to do call-out culture. We're going to talk about that. Teach the kids. You better teach the kids. Uh, It's true. What else are we talking about? Well, we're going to go back into ancient school Quizlet Corner time for you, so I hope you've studied. I'm still in ancient time left off for last week that I just want to get into some some things that may have happened in the past and may have not. You'll have to find out. Ooh, interesting. I'm excited to hear about that as well. Also, a story that went through the news cycle before we could even touch it. It's already gone. We got to talk about the recent SNL debacle in castings. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna break that wide open, reevaluate. Also, you watch The Bachelor. I have questions about some casting things that have happened. Uh, I need your help. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. And also, why trailers be spoiling shit? Don't be spoiling trailers. Don't let me have something too. Let me have this trailers. God damn it. Okay, well let's well, get into this damn episode. Let's do it. Shake that ass for me. Come on, girl. Shake that yeah. ass for me. Shake that ass for me. That's aggressive. Is it? Yeah, it's is it aggressive. Not... <laughs> okay. Walk me through this. <laughs> well, I mean, is it, there's a, is a it... demand. It is not oh, a question see, or a proposition. You know... <laughs> a I can't plea. even mad at you because because you know what? You can't hear the bubbly fun dance beat in my head. Yeah, you know? no, it's just you demanding. <laughs> yeah. Like in my head, there's a very fun up-tempo dance beat that your ass would, you know, I would even have to ask you to because your butt would just be like, I need a dance to this. Uh, and if anything, uh-huh. my words would actually just be encouraging it. Uh, I do see, you uh-huh. know what it is? What is it? I just never really heard. I never really saw the words. You know, sometimes you just sing songs. Like right. we discovered last week with that nasty ass song we were singing last yep. week. Uh-huh. That you just sometimes don't really register the words of what you're saying. And I'm just hearing the beat and being like, ass, shake it, do it. Right. But I do hear what you're saying. Okay. I, I hear. Okay. All now right. I hear. Yeah. I feel like we should just change this to like James and Aneke discover behind the music or something because every week we've been kicking it off with a new discovery of music yeah i mean you bring one to the table and i give you my <laughs> brilliant <Honest> feedback <laughs> hot Candid take. takes I, mm-hmm. yeah it's the truth you know i can't help it i just dispel them <laughs> that just fall from my brain she is just the magical sitar player and she only speaks the oh you know what i see it i now. think we need to stop saying that <laughs> And by we, I, also I think, mean... Oh, wow. She's calling me out. We are at minute two. And you know, I do like how you try to be like the royal we, and like we as a community of Minority Corner, which it's like the two of us here. And then you're like, we all, nope. But you know what? Here's the thing. We all love a Moulin Rouge moment. It's true. And, but I'm but starting I was, to I think s- we're aging people out. 
<laughs> also, you had mentioned this last week, uh-huh. and what I do like is right now we have current through lines through these last two episodes. So it's uh-huh. like they're like, oh, I gotta. They missed last week. They gotta see what we're talking about. You know, last yeah, week. Yeah, but it's I feel the like sisters. you also mentioned they're sisters. And you, they're sister episodes. Sister, sister, mm-hmm. not starring Tia and Tamaramari, starring Anneke no. G- and James. Yes. But I feel like you're right. Last week you called me out and you said that I quote Moulin Rouge a lot. And I said, that's not true. And then and here we go. I, I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> Cut yourself. Is this, is, this, is this the intervention? What is the, is this the new format of the show? You, I mean, we'll see where we go with it. <laughs> um, but I doubt it. You know, I couldn't believe it that with like we couldn't even get this story already went through a full cycle before we even could get together and record. Are we talking uh, about an SNL number? A little Yes. So uh, you <laughs> a little I already new had cast notes members. Was, new cast member. I already had notes of like, ooh, we gotta talk about this. Yep. And he's already gone. I know. Good. Good because okay, okay. well other developments. Let's catch so- the kids up. Catch Catch the kids up. If you've been living under a rock or you like to read books <laughs> by candlelight, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> or your candelabra. Yeah. Saturday Night Live um, introduced three new cast members. One of them, which mm-hmm. is Bowen Yang, who I absolutely love. He's on La Culturalista's podcast with Matt Rogers, which mm-hmm. I listen to all the time. It's really good. He also is a Vulture contributor, and you know we love the Vulture. It's very true. So we're excited about that. There is a woman. I he's forget her the, name. I forget my phone. It, but it's also huge because he's the first Asian American cast member in the 45-year history of SNL. Which is really dumb. Like, what? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, uh, and then... And then oh, the, the lady cast member. The lady, yeah. the new lady. Oh, I feel bad. I'm sorry. We don't remember your name, but you're awesome. <laughs> and you're then, here. Yay, you. <laughs> and then they dug deep into the world of troglodytes and found Shane Gillis. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he had, and like he, so the whole entire thing with Shane is that he had said a bunch of, like, just his humor is just as the style of, like, racist humor. It's and not even humor. It's just racism. Did you listen well, to I it? Always, and I always, like, I ha- I did it. And he says, I, he, and this, like, on his podcast recently, like, and then some people are like, oh, well, you know, like, a lot of comedians have come under fire who've gotten hired for things who they, uh-huh. what they've done in their past. Like, right. even uh, Tre- Trevor Noah yeah. uh, for some tweets that he had done that were, like, misogynistic. Um, right. And it, ha- it does happen. People, I, it's, comedians, they like to push the envelope. We like to be edgy, yada. But I think that there's, like, a way to come out of this one it was super recent you know no, like with other thing. comedians yeah it w- i listened to it and it was not oh. comedy it was him yeah. literally calling china um asian people the derogatory word mm-hmm. and no joke just saying you know they live in chinatown and mm. the accent is funny it- and, and then him do, and his co-host does he do impressions? Co- no, um, no, it was like it was okay. just it was just racist. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't even comedy. It was just like him and- calling Asian people that bad word that I won't be caught saying. Mm-mm. And and so Not here, like, and this was in 2018. And if you dig ten deeper, mu- he ten says months other ago. things. Yeah, mm, like some other like homophobic stuff, right? Yeah, he's. He's terrible. 
Well, and I like to, you know, when I, when I, when I interviewed Michelle Bateau, uh-huh. who shout out to her, her show, First Wives Club, I think is premiering uh, now-ish. I've been seeing posters for it. So go Michelle, go Michelle. Nice. I'm Friend of the podcast. Guest, ready for my guest spot. Just hit me up. Um, I'll audition. But she, she said, because I asked her, because it was around the time, like a lot of, it's been just a very popular a conversation around like, just who can like with comedians like uh-huh. people are calling them they're getting called out on shit uh-huh. and I wanted her opinion her hot take was like she's like you just gotta make it, it it's gotta be funny at least if you're gonna fucking do it you've right. gotta just fucking make it funny and like it's the thing is like it, it's it's go for broke you know if you're gonna right. do something that's like really really racist like you've gotta fucking just like make go all the way make it fun like somehow make it funny and if, it sounds like this guy not even remotely like if you're gonna you know what I'm trying to say that like yeah. I mean, I get there, you. Like, it, I think the the t- the conversation at the time was rape jokes, I believe, because there was like a conversation about who could say it, when was it appropriate, and stuff. And mm. I feel like a lot of I don't even. I'm of the mindset where I feel like we are past this edgy shit. Like, mm-hmm. get out of here with that. Like, I feel like what we need to do is just like it should be smart. You know, mm-hmm. or if mm-hmm. it's dumb, just let let it be dumb funny. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I don't know what he's saying. It basically his apology was he had two non apologies, which are terrible. <laughs> he did the classic. I'm sorry if you were offended, right? And my job as a comedian is to be like to push the boundaries or whatnot. And he wasn't pushing boundaries; he was just being racist. And it's also come mm-hmm. out now that Lorne Michaels hired him because to like appeal to conservative base which is like what the Uh. fuck like can we stop pandering to like the status quo like we don't need to pander to conservatives like they are i mean I don't even think it's just like it's ridiculous. I feel like SNL keeps getting caught into this trap like where they had Trump on and like literally like people who are who are destroying this country like i don't know it's just really frustrating to me where it's like why can't we just like i i don't know like we should be pandering towards diversity and people who haven't had a chance i feel like conservatives Mm. have had a chance they're around there it's like you know white guys aren't persecuted like well i think that there's a difference between i guess for me i I think I don't I, Shane I don't feel like I wouldn't classify for myself I don't classify this Shane dude as like a conservative I classify him as just like a white tool dude guy you know like uh-huh. I feel like if they're trying to get a conservative comedian I don't I would I don't I feel like I uh, conservative comedian is necessarily having to be racist you know that, that's that's my take. I don't I don't necessarily think a conservative comedian has to be necessarily like racist. I think this was just like they hired a fucking racist as a comedian and didn't do their homework and their research. Right. No, I'm I'm I mean, the only reason I brought that up is because that's what is, has been leaked. That's the reason how, oh, how we got right hired. Now. Well, and of course, like he's going to be lifted up by like and even if he's like not like and I feel like he's kind of the worst kind because I bet you he classes classifies himself as a liberal. You know, I bet you he does. And which I think is like the worst kind. And then now he's going to be totally adopted by like the alt right. Right. Uh, who are going to lift yeah. him up as like a hero and victim of PC culture. Mm. And there it is. Maybe he identifies as conservative too. I don't know. Maybe. 
Yeah. Uh, but I feel like, I mean, I, you know, being in the uh, stand up comedian world, I see comedians like him here uh-huh. in New York City who I do believe with all their heart that they are absolutely these liberal guys who, mm. for them, they're like, well, I make fun of everybody. I'm uh, equal opportunity. Right. And they're not sort of seeing their privilege. Right. Which. I, did you see the? I just I watched the Chelsea Handler documentary. Oh um, uh, yeah 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 yeah. What is it, dear? What, what her dear old world? Some, I have white privilege, Chelsea Handler. <laughs> yes, because she yeah, because her whole entire thing is like dear, like she like that book she wrote, dear God, I'm an alcoholic or whatever it is. Um, right 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 right. I like it's so I was it's so fascinating. If you are white, it is a definite must watch, and I just. I did not like Chelsea Handler for the longest time because yeah, I thought she was I'm one of those comedians. Like whatever about her. Have you seen? I uh, you're planning on watching the documentary? No, I haven't. But you know, I'm glad that she's out here doing that. This you know, come to Jesus. You know? It's been so fascinating to watch in the last two years uh-huh. her complete 180 in journey because she's been on uh-huh. the View and you know I watch be watching the View yeah. and I just have been watching her journey and it's the documentary is so fucking fascinating because essentially like uh, she after 2016 she was uh, she thought she was this woke wh- white woman before that right. and then after the election she was like wait what the fuck and yeah. then she started doing some digging and realizing like what white privilege is about and Good. the it, the documentary is so interesting because she's going on this she thinks the documentary is gonna be one thing and then like her first stop is like this like spoken word thing at like uh, USC uh-huh. and they pretty much saw her they're like we're tired of talking about like you know educating white people and handling their white oh, tears good. And, I like that and it's so it, it's so great because you, you're on the journey of her piecing together what this documentary is essentially going to be and ah. she's then going into these circles of like white people and like getting and that's the whole like a lot of the basis of the, the documentary is like you know white folks y'all need to be having these conversations with each other like Ooh, some okay. of us are just fucking tired of having these conversations and she goes around the country she's in Georgia oh, wow. she's in Orange County she's in Orange County she's in New Jersey and what I love about that is it shows the scope of that the racism is not just in the South. New right. Jersey has some of like the, like some of the statistics that happen in New Jersey of like uh, the rate that young black men are arrested compared to young white guys uh, yeah. for the same crimes. It's the worst in mm. anywhere else in the country. And that's wow. fucking New Jersey. Yeah, I know. Um, highly recommend because I think she's a great example of people can change. And I mm. think it's important for us to allow and give space for people to do it. I've written her off years. I was like, boo, I'm done. Right, but right, right, then right. seeing her in these interviews and seeing her in this documentary, it's so fascinating, amazing. And like seeing what she's actually using her power good. to do. And it's also a good reminder for myself to like, people can change and people are human beings. Like I'm not the same person that I was 10 years ago. And yeah. I'm, I might step in it. I might, you know, end up for us to be able to, because we want people, People to change, and we have to also allow and give that space for people to be able to do it. Amen to that. That's the truth, right there. I know. But mandatory reviewing for white people. <laughs> mandatory. You've <laughs> <Yeah>. got homework. <laughs> Go watch. Yay! I'm. I don't have to do it. <laughs> no, you don't. But I would, in the sense of like, it just to see a person's journey. Right. What I would right, say, right. like, it's it is pretty, and it's it's a really well done. I mean, uh, the fact that I know that she did it and she's doing that work, I'm happy. 
You know, yeah. that that mm-hmm. makes me happy that there are people out there, prominent people that are out there right. trying to make a difference, trying to unpack things, trying to change, trying to make that shift, which is necessary for us as a country to grow. You know, yeah, we mm-hmm. can't if we elect, you know, fingers crossed, toes crossed, arms crossed, body crossed, butts crossed. Yeah. If we elect um, a new president that's not Trump. Um, then we can't just like take a breath and unbuckle our pants and relax on the couch. No, we still got to do the work because <laughs> clearly yes. the seed has been sowed that this country can easily, in a flick of a just a snap of a finger, turn into a fascist wasteland. So, and we- that's what I think is so fascinating too is that I think that's what Donald, I think Donald Trump is that shook moment for so many in this country that like it snapped. Chelsea Handler would have been still doing her. Right. liberal racist jokes right, and right, right, you know right, like right. there's so much racism that was happening on the liberal side and so many of us like I I, I, I said this before like I didn't have I no longer have to like de- I no longer have to debate white liberals on Facebook not that I use Facebook that much anymore anyways but yeah. I no longer have to debate like after the election everyone got quiet about having to like explain what white privilege was yeah. or like you know I didn't, have, I didn't have to debate white privilege or that black lives matter anymore you know right, like I right. didn't everyone got real quiet after that election and I yeah. feel like and but the thing is like the country didn't change nothing is that like no. It's not like that we're, we're working, living in a different country. It was the same country. It just it all came to rise to the top. Dude, we didn't start the fire. It was always burning since Ooh, the world was turning. Since the world's been turning. You know that song? I still wonder huh. who set that fire. But like, I guess it's always been burning since the world's yeah, been turning. Yeah, like, as soon I as still... like, man started walking. <laughs> we just <laughs> setting shit up on fire. Um, You are... Uh, you are you you watch you watch The Bachelor? Yeah, I do. Yes. Yes, I do. So there's a new bachelor in town, and guess who's so bored to death? Oh, I mean, I, I know the answers. The new bachelor is Peter and Rachel Lindsay, who is the fabulous um the only mm. shining mm. light of the Bachelor franchise, the black bachelorette <laughs> who recently just got married. She who does her Ooh, can, I, I have follow up questions because yes. I don't I watch per, I just watch peripherally. So I see I what gets posted on like depth. full Okay, good because I have uh, I have questions. So I just watch. It's kind of like how I used to watch Dawson's Creek. I just used to see like the commercials, and that's how I uh, keep up. It. So with yeah, the yeah, Bachelor, yeah. I just like so I you always just knew what's happening. Absorb it like, from the the culture ether of the world. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, I watch so I, or articles I'd read on like on Vulture and stuff, and then from you. So I uh, did she get married? Did Rachel Lindsay first? Black Bachelorette. Yeah. After like what twenty four fucking seasons or some exactly. shit. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Did she get married to the guy that she met on the show? She just got married, and here's the twist that I love about it. Normally, it is, if you get- it's the guy that she. It's- it's the guy that she picked? Yes, yes. Oh, cool. Oh, yay. Oh, that makes me believe in the show and love. So the cool part about it, though, is a lot of times if you if you are on the show and you get married to the person that you end up with, you have like some stupid ABC contract and you have to get married <laughs> on the television show. Oh, Her yeah, and yeah. Brian Abasolo were like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And they got married okay. on their own and had Aww. a big old celebration and ABC was not invited oh she's probably i mean yeah she's. Well, i pro- love that i mean 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like she did not have the best time in relationship with ABC. And she had yeah. called them out because there was another, there's a guy, there's a fan favorite. He's black. And he oh, yeah. was being rumored Mike. as possibly, mm-hmm, I guess. I'm saying, mm-hmm. You could say, Charlie. I'm like, mm-hmm, that's the one. You yeah. could be like, uh-huh. yeah, Elrod. No, Mike, I'm like, mm-hmm. Mike was excellent. <laughs> he is handsome, charming, a, just a good all-around dude. I saw a picture. I got a boner. Okay. And <laughs> they didn't pick him because they're scared. They're really scared. Because apparently, like, Rachel got low ratings because America's racist. But they also gave See, her, like, a really... Sh- <laughs> it's like a shitty <laughs> crop of dudes, though, too. They even put a racist dude in her season. So, like... Oh, to Rachel's season. Like, yeah. To, like, and that, you know, and that's just producers trying to, like, create shit, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's their job, but, like, you could create shit in a wholesome way. Like, you could have, like, you know, a crazy dude. Like, they had the shit normal that they would do. Like, this guy called Waboom, who would just, like, say Waboom all the time, which was, like, stupid yeah, bachelor shit. But I'd take that over, like, some guy who's, like racist and talking about how black people are aggressive while he's trying to pursue mm. one like that doesn't make any goddamn sense at all so ABC did he ask if he could sucked. touch her hair i i know he didn't do okay. that yeah. okay good well that, like at least he didn't do that i i guess like it's just like this theme of like america's racist but that's re- what weaved into our uh the fabric of what america is yeah racism yeah, I do really appreciate, though, that there's all these comedians who are doing these very political shows where they're going around and talking to people that no- they normally, A, wouldn't talk to. I-, I just find it just so fascinating because I feel like that's like the early days of what MTV's The Real World used to do is it would get people from different places of the world to like mm. come together and have conversations. Mm. And yeah, and like that's how they would create and that's how they knew that they could create conflict. But after a while, young people were seeing that and it wasn't. They kind of knew the drill. But right. now it's like, I really appreciate that comedians, because uh, uh, Kemal Bell, who we've met, every time I see him, I think about the time we met him. At, yeah, uh, briefly. <laughs> the time I yelled at him yeah. at the book festival. <laughs> at the book festival. <laughs> I, I like made you go like talk to like get I up. know. I'm Dude, just, very, he was very nice. He was very nice. Very and you could nice. tell he was exhausted with his two daughters, but he was two daughters, very yeah. gracious and nice. Had to, um, and like him and Sarah Silverman and Chelsea Handler. I just really appreciate that there's comedians who are doing because it's like through hearing other people's stories. Like I going back to the Chelsea documentary, the most annoying people that she talked to were these like white ladies from Orange County, and you would think like, oh, wouldn't they be the south southern ones? Not so much. Like, but yeah. still, like it, I, I being able to hear their stories, I could roll my eyes, but at least I could be like, okay, I guess I see where they're coming from. And uh-huh. one of them tr- was started to come around a bit. Um, because it is, you know, if we have to live here together, we do need to be able to hear each other's stories and 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 see where the other person's coming from and allow them to come over to the other side. Oh, right on. You know what? I have a question switching gears a little have, bit. Um yeah. so I'm looking at our notes here and you said don't watch the knives out trailer. I've already watched the knives out trailer. No. Do you know why I said don't watch it? I was Is trying to save spoiler? you and the listeners. Did you watch the whole thing? There's a new... I haven't watched uh, the new one. I just watched the first one. That oh, came. perfect. Okay. You're fine. <laughs> so I made the mistake of... And see, I know this. Like, so for me, I'm the kind of person, like, when I know I want to see a movie, I'm good. I don't need to see anything else. Like, for me, like, yeah. any of the Marvel movies, or, like, I just see a poster, I put it in my calendar, and then I'm good. Like, oh, you I don't like watching trailers. My, 
No, I, I hate spoilers. Love I hate, trailers. Hate, 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 hate them. I don't mind some trailers, but for some movies, like a Marvel movie, like I don't want to be spoiled. Like there's some movies I still need to be sold and if I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like if I already know I'm going to go. But here's the thing. Yeah. Some trailers give too much information. And then when you're watching the movie, like the surprise is gone. Oh, yeah. So, I hate that. Ra- like, why do they do that? Well, because they think, like, that's how you know sometimes when they think that their movie is shit, when they're like, and then this happens. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, well, you just, it's, they're afraid you're not going to, they try to show you the best part, so you're going to come and see it. Uh-huh. But then, and and for me, if I've seen a trailer so many times, I keep thinking about that thing. I'm like, oh, I wonder when that thing's going to happen. And I'm not able to be very present. Like, I, oh. my, my favorite experiences are when you watch, you know when you used to, like, watch a movie on, like, you know, just flipping the channel, TNT's got something going on, and you've, you have, you have, no idea what this movie is you just go on this journey like i love that like i'm just like uh, so you like going in bl- cold going in it doesn't it depends what the movie is but i uh-huh. do love like there's something magic about that journey of like a movie where you're like i have no idea what i'm gonna experience and i'm just yeah. going in yeah 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 well okay so knives out is a movie that i was actually pretty excited about because it has a stellar cast it has like yes a good like ensemble Keith movie Stanfield, daniel craig is that, is that the guy from uh brother what is it on um, what's that movie that was shot in oakland at the horse people, it's Tessa Thompson, the guy from oh, Atlanta. Um, yeah, it's him. He's in that. Okay, that's I. I just didn't know my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an excellent movie too. That I feel terrible that I don't remember right now because I'm. How sick, can I but... remember? It's Brother Something, no, right? No, no, keep... Brothers not in the title. It's um, is it not untitled? No. Is it start with a U? No. Um. Hold. Hold, let's talk about the other people in the cast and I'll get back to that because okay. I'm sure that this uh, is Dan- riveting. Dan- <laughs> Daniel, yeah, I was trying to figure out who that person is. Not a, you know, not a fun conversation to, you know what, A, not a fun conversation to be in. Uh, B, not a fun conversation to listen to. I know, People exactly. try to figure out an actor Sorry in a movie. Sorry to bother we, you. We, sorry to bother you. See, there was a B in it. I knew no there was brother, a B, though. bother, Brother, bother, brother. <laughs> and there's a you in there somewhere, somewhere yeah. to bother you. you. See, there you I go. had the brother and the you. Yep. Bother you. Okay. Oh, okay, That's so other cast members, Chris Evans is in it, Michael Shannon, Jamie Lee Jamie Curtis. Lee Curtis. This Some is other. Like... Oh, 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 Tony Collette. Tony My Collette. This cast is fucking stellar. Out of control. Don so, Johnson. But, oh. I mean, hi, where you been? Oh, the reason why I'm saying, okay, so Ryan Johnson, who directed it, which, yeah. okay, we all, everybody has mixed feelings about The Last Jedi, get over it, it was years ago. I liked I, it. I did too, so calm down, queens, uh, and kings, and all the peoples. Okay. Calm down. So, uh, it was it the was most like, divisive thing in the world. Oh, but also, I know, Ra- which is so dumb. Also, it's a movie, it's a good one. It's, I mean, there's shitty also, movies out there. Ra- Ra- and Russia helps, you know, perpetuate the. Uh, yeah, like, remember yeah, yeah. something like crazy, like seventy two percent of the tweets about the the first initial tweets about the last Jedi were from Russian robots. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, just chaos. They, they just want our country literally on fire. Like we're literally arguing about Star Wars. So we dumb. can't get along about anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, but he was he was tweeting out, "Do not watch the trailer." He was not happy with the trailer because he felt like he was giving it away way too much. Oh. I, in fact. 
a minute and 20 seconds. It's like a two minute and 20 second trailer. I turned it off about a minute and 20 in because I was like, I feel like I'm seeing You're too learning much. something. Oh. I love a teaser trailer, but I don't need to see what the plot and the twist at act right. two is going to be. Right. I don't, just a little bit of a, I like a little bit of like setting it up. That's fine. It's, but this is literally like, they're showing shit from like act three and I'm like, okay, I don't, mm, so oh, then that, that means person, he'd, Ryan oh. Johnson didn't create the trailer. Yeah. Weird. I, I don't, sometimes it's only within like the last like fifth like it started in the 90s before the 90s I forget what it was it might have been James Cameron's like Terminator for some action movie in the early 90s was the first one uh-huh. that wasn't they used to hire outside uh, mo- outside companies used to do the trailers for movies oh and yeah that's why like when you watch trailers for like the 80s or the like the 80s you're like they're showing me the whole movie and it just like they would just clip together what they thought you know people wow. should know and try to entice them and then yeah. studios started taking it in which makes sense because they know the movie and directors want to be able to like have more control over it oh man that's this is really interesting well i, I won't know be my watching the trailer because i want to i want to see that movie eventually at some point when i don't know when i'll get a chance to but i okay that's want true to. i'm hoping i'm gonna forget like what i've seen i uh, hope i'm gonna forget like yeah, have I mean, little... just watch a bunch of other trailers. Clog your memory. That's true. Because there's something else that got spoiled for me, too. I won't spoil it for you all. But in Legion, who a character turns out to be, and I'm trying to unforget it. And uh. every time, because I want to watch Legion, and I hear it's really uh, good. Yeah. And it keeps. Well, you maybe know. you can see the Easter egg clues. That's another thing. It's like when you, you know, like sometimes they give you little hints following up. Oh, so that's sometimes true. I like that. Like for Mindhunter. The um, mm. they follow the Atlanta child murders in the second season, and I know all about that because I listened to a podcast oh, and yeah. uh, called Atlanta Monster. And because I knew who did all of the murder, well, who it was pinned on, they like had little Easter egg clues throughout the season, which I thought was fascinating. And that is not Pogo the Clown who did those. No. No, John Wayne Gacy okay. did something else. Yeah. Oh, spoiler. He's another, yeah. <laughs> if you didn't know the news. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Last little tidbit that I think is going to tickle your pinkies. Yeah, Not- my pinkies be tickling. <laughs> I would be so mad if someone came up with me trying to tickle my pinky. I'm doing it right but now. It does kind of tickle. not a ticklish item on the body. Actually, I'm doing it right now and I'm feeling a little bit of teehee. Okay. And you can't usually tickle yourself. Um, okay. So, are, you, are you trying it? Tell no. Trying it. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. So, Carrie Washington. Yes. And Sterling K. Brown. Okay. Do you, Two do you know about this? Stellar actors, no. Are going to be, ugh, I should have looked this up. We'll have to, I'll look it up during the break. But okay. they're going to be in a movie that is essentially Mr. and Mrs. Smith esque. Oh, like Super Spies Married? Mm-hmm. I love yes. this. What I, find, what I find fascinating about this, though, I don't think it has nothing to do with the original Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but uh-huh. you know Carrie Washington was in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. She played Angelina Jolie's, like, work best friend. I've never seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <gasps> Full disclosure. I just died a thousand deaths. Really? You yeah. missed the whole entire Brangelina? Like, like their electricity was so... You could, You were like, you know what? I can't handle it. I can't go to the theater and see all this electricity. I, I gotta stay home. I don't condone cheating. 
So oh, <laughs> I don't know. I just that never saw it. Co- it was, it was just 2005. One of those it was one of those things like, that just was... slipped through my fingers <laughs> and I never saw it. You know, there are movies wow. that you just don't see. And that was okay. one of them. I would say put that like move that one up to your top queue of like those days you're like I want to watch something not it okay <laughs> Tick, that went off and okay. I would say Mr. you will have a great time watching Mr. Mrs. Smith it is a fun romp their chemistry is bananas uh, okay. and it's the only reason two reasons why there wasn't a sequel was one they would have had to pay uh, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt so much money because they would have oh, gotten so yeah, much of the yeah, profit yeah. shares Superstar. off of it yeah yeah and yeah she, and two, Angelina, which is why sometimes like they'll reboot movies after three because those actors would get so much of the profit shares, and that's why they're like, we're gonna go find some unnamed and oh, reboot got it. it. Got it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're not reboot, uh, so this isn't a reboot then. No, this is not a reboot. I think it's. I just heard it was. Built, no one knows much about the plot, but it's put into that sort of a vein of. So they're probably husband wife, ah, uh, uh-huh. super spies. I, love I think it. it's funny. Also, it points to if you watch it. It's very two thousand five because the movie tends to follow. Vince Vaughn plays uh, Brad Pitt's sidekick in it, uh-huh, uh-huh, and he gets uh-huh. a lot of screen time. But Carrie Washington, not yeah. so much because Boo. the women don't. Yeah, one, she black woman. Two, the women just back in the 2000s wouldn't get as much screen time as... And also, even Angelina Jolie. Yeah. it speaks to fucking Kerry Washington being in the game for so long. For so long. Worked her way up through it all. Like, you always just you know? think of, like, Scandal as, like, her breakout moment, but she literally was in, like, Save the Last oh, Dance. Oh, my God. Center Stage? Or, mm. wait, oh, Save the Last no, Dance? No, that's Zoe Saldana. Oh, see? Yeah. That's so interesting. Both those movies had, like, a, a up-and-coming young black actress as, like, yep. a sidekick friend mm-hmm. in those dance movies. But, yeah, she's been she's been around forever. She was she's in Ray. She's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. She was in Ray. She was also in that Chris Rock movie, Top Five. Like oh, okay. she just, she was. Oh, oh, here's a deep cut. She was in Fantastic Four, one That's and right. two. She played the Thing's girlfriend. <laughs> the Thing's girlfriend, the blind woman, Alicia, and it was yeah. like re- revolutionary because Alicia's usually a white girl, but they put Carrie Washington in it. She yeah. played the hell out of that blind girl. I was like, she can't see. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm she, excited because shouldn't. I feel like Carrie Washington and Sterling K. Brown are like two dynamic actors and two beautiful people and i feel like that would be like an awesome i'm down for that movie count me in i and love it and i'm ready fun. to see carrie washington running around doing some action stuff yes <laughs> the two of them are like fun you can tell like yeah. i like them in interviews and stuff also i'm excited because i just finished reading um little fires everywhere and oh, Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, it's going to yes. be on HBO. I'm Because really Reese Witherspoon excited. saw the light and was like, oh, I have white lady privilege. And so she's been truly trying to focus on diversifying all her projects that she's producing. I'm really into what Reese Witherspoon is into right now. She's just like, she'll read a book. She's like, yeah, I like this book. And then she'll like get it made. Which is awesome. Yeah, because <laughs> also she wasn't able to get any work because people were putting her in a little hole. And she just was finally like, fuck this. So yeah. Fuck yeah, Reese. Awesome. Speaking That's of exciting. fuck yeah, yeah, let's fuck yeah into your magical corner. Yeah. So what we're <laughs> going to be talking about is a little article that I found, which is six signs your call out is about ego and not accountability. Ooh, okay. I'm going to mm-hmm. take notes. I feel like you are doing the like self-help thing this week. Okay. Maybe. We'll see. Or maybe I'm just huh? calling it like it is. 
Oh, boom, truth bomb. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Macho man to the top rope. The flying elbow, the cover. We've got a new champion. We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast. Oh, yeah. Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power. Too sweet to be sour. Funky like a monkey. Woke discussions, man. And jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices. Myself excluded. Yeah. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Thursdays on Maximum Fun. Oh, yeah, dig it. A necky. Yeah. Talent like it is. Yes, 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 yes. Ooh, before you tell it like it is, can I tell you what it was? Uh-huh. <laughs> the name of the movie, keep your eyes open for this. It's called Shadow Force. Shadow Force. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it's the screen. It's written by Leon Schultz, who did the screenplay, and it's in the vein of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and that's all that is done by Lionsgate. So. I love it. Shadow Force. That sounds yeah, like almost sound superhero-y a little bit. I n- I just love it because it's how often do black people get to do something like Shadow Never, Force? You know. So I'm glad we Let's don't do it. Do you know when yeah. it's coming out? Does it say? No, I mean, they haven't even started shooting it yet. Okay. It's all in the early stages. But just keep an eyes open for Shadow Force. <laughs> Especially like, saying it like just the like way you that. Get to, <laughs> that's the only way you could really say it. I feel like you and I could be in like a uh, low-budget sort of spinoff sure, version. yeah. On, I don't think we'd make it on BET. They're doing some nice things these days. We so we, maybe the like Hallmark channel. Okay, you need to give yourself a little bit what? more credit because I give myself credit. Well, I, I just, you know, I, w- I don't want to set the bar too high all right, all for, right, you know. All right. <laughs> maybe like, uh, maybe, oh, maybe on the Peacock. Okay. NBC? The Peacock is NBC. NBC's. There's too many streaming services. Oh, too man, many. Too many. It's NBC. Too, no one too, Nobody coming in too late. CBS is the one that started that. <laughs> yeah, they... Yeah, you come in late. Ridiculous. Two two thousand and late, mm-hmm. actually. All right. So, my corner... I found this article on this um, internet magazine called The Body is Not an Apology, which I fucking love. It is all about radical self-love for everybody and everybody. So it's like a positivity um, site for everybody's body and, and everything. Like, I'm looking at the... Um, different tags that they have. They have weight slash size, disability, sexuality, gender, mental health, race, aging, rad parents, men, global intersections. So this is like, I would just say check it out Whoa. because it seems like a... Is this a... Did you just discover this? Is like a new find? I Yeah, I just discovered it. Yeah. Ooh, I love a new web. You know, when you find a new website, you're just yeah. like, it's like a treasure trove. It you're is. Like, oh my god! I think it's based off of, or you know, it it's um it stems from this book called "The Body Is Not an Apology" by um, Sonia Renee Taylor. So mm. I love it. It's awesome. So this is basically all about um 
call out culture. So, you Mm. know, call out culture can be seen as like basically like you, you know, like you go on social media and you're kind of like, hey, what are you doing to support this thing? You know, like um, you need to. And I mean, to be completely honest, we do it here on the podcast. We're always like, you got to be active. You got to be on board. You got to do what you got to do. Right. Which is great because you want to hold each other accountable, yeah. which is super Absolutely. important. But what I want to clarify here is what those of us who are activists that are trying to get other people to wake up and join the fight is that we need to do this out of love and not out of some of these other reasons. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to be super lazy and I'm going to read this article, but I'm going to give credit. So the author is Maisha Z. Johnson. So it's called Six Signs. Your call out is about ego and not accountability. So you can go and read more, um, that way we'll link it as well. But I just kind of want to go through some of these six signs. The first one, okay. one, you're not focused on the outcome, you know? So um, have you ever found yourself trying to get someone to understand that you're upset with them without really knowing what you want? from them in return it's totally a normal experience you're upset and maybe you need to get something off your chest maybe you need an apology or a change in the other person's behavior whatever it is you need you won't feel better until you get it so a lot of times um i could see this where it's like you just want to call somebody out you want to be like hey you're doing this but you need to have purpose behind it like it's You know, it isn't just putting somebody in a spotlight. It's really like, oh, what are you, before you even decide to call somebody out or put them on the spot, you should figure out what you want in return. Like, what's the ultimate goal of this, you know? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just like you want somebody to hear you out, to hear what you've been experiencing. But recognizing this before you dive in, I think it's a good goal to um, to do. Okay. Um, Let me just also see. Okay, here we go. Number two, you're not choosing your battles based on what's best for the community involved. Okay, so what do they say? There's common Mm -hmm. fear that passing up opportunities to hold each other accountable would mean coddling people who are causing harm and silencing marginalized people who are harmed. So we're on alert to intervene at every problematic moment, every ignorant Facebook comment, every oblivious relative, every unwoke friend from middle school, which adds up to a lot of time spent advocating for marginalized people, a worthy cause for sure, but it could also mean more emotional exhaustion for you. And it's not strategies for the movement to have you burn out on activism all day, every day. So basically they're saying pick your battles, you know, pick your battles with the mm-hmm. way that you want to fight and like, you know, um, defending other people and then maybe redirect some of that um, energy towards supporting the communities that you're going to um, that you're mm-hmm. out advocating for. So instead of like maybe take a pause if you're about to go rail against Johnny Jojo from middle school who's posting something racist to say mm, I'll save that energy and I'm going to take it and donate to the cause that they are against for right now. You know? Because sometimes Ouch. it's good to you don't you don't want all of your ne- your energy and activism to be negative. 
you want it to be yeah. positive as well. And I was thinking the same thing too, because I we condition ourselves of how to move and react through the world. Yeah. So if you're constantly fighting everything, you're going to be constantly fighting everything. And it seems like such an exhaustive way to move through the world all the time. So exactly. I really love that idea of, of also giving back. There's also some beautiful things about these communities. So actually like doing those beautiful things and the celebratory things. Right. Exactly. Like it's, it's, you want it to be a balance. And that's what I love so much about that, where it's like not, it's not saying completely give up defending communities, you know, you want to be out there mm-hmm. defending, yeah. but you also want to spend the other time learning and enriching and supporting these communities as well. All right. Number three, you're using the same strategy for every situation. Okay, so when I'm feeling the pressure to fight every battle, I tend to check out emotionally, and then every situation feels the same. But acts of oppression are not all the same, and each unique situation has a different set of strategies that would be most effective. While addressing oppression within our communities, the intention may be similar across the board. We're trying to stop the harm. So basically, so um, this person says, usually when I talk about oppression, I emphasize impact over intention because no matter how well-meaning someone is, they can still cause harm. This is so true. I like put that Mm. on a pillow. It's so like impact over intention. And then this is bolded in the article. Maybe we should consider the same emphasis when we're trying to stop oppression. Regardless of our intentions, sometimes the only impact of calling someone out is that we get to feel like we punish them for what they did wrong. But what about the impact beyond that? Have we actually made things better for the people who were harmed? That's the, I really like that a lot. So it's like, you don't want to continue the cycle of violence, you know? And I say Mm -hmm. violence in, you know, also language and verbiage and stuff. So, and it's, there's calling somebody out and, and, you know, you want to punish somebody for, for being, um, for saying something ignorant, right? But that's not necessarily going to solve anything per se. It's also about education. It's about letting people know what's going on and how they can adapt and change from that, you know? And if, like, there have been times, like, if somebody has said something to me, um, I will try to make a conscious effort. And it's not like I'm going to, oh, take their hand and become the wise black woman that's going to lead them to enlightenment. No. It's just a constructive way of calling somebody out. You know, if somebody wants to touch, mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to think of, like, um, yeah, today I was helping a student. She was getting frustrated with me because I personally didn't really know what she was looking for. It was something that another department <laughs> wanted. And I, but I was trying my hardest to help her, and the internet was slow, yeah. and it was just a, a big old line of mess, right? She started Googling mm-hmm. that question right while I was trying to explain it to her. Mm. That's insulting. So instead of just yeah. being like, what the fuck are you doing, you bitch? You know, like I didn't do that. 
<laughs> I said. I kind of wish you had librarian Aneke. I'm I just saying. Wish there's. I know, but like now, I just can't. I really wish you had. No, done that. because that would have been constructive. That would have just I been know, calling them out, probably, and it would have been about my ego. But instead, <laughs> I I said, you know, I'm trying to help you, you know, and I'm doing my best, and I'm sorry yeah. that we can't find the answer that quickly, and my job is here to try and figure it out together but if you would like to right. figure it out on your own by googling by all means you know also a fair approach as well i think you couldn't have gone wrong with either one no <laughs> yes the first one is wrong the first one is wrong <laughs> but funny from an out but funny from an outside perspective but you're so bright you're right i just can't ima- i'm like imagining a librarian popping off like no. that like just, nobody would do that yeah but no. It's 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 like an extreme example, but that's kind of like, you know, what I'm trying to say. But yes. sometimes mm-hmm. you also have to protect yourself because if somebody were to call me the N-word, I wouldn't be like, excuse me, sir, there's a constructive way of calling a black person. You know, no. Yeah. I would just be like, shut you're the fuck up, like, leave me alone. off a duck's back. <laughs> yeah. Then you're going to pop off. Then comes that, po- then that, that librarian, she comes right. in. Right, protect yourself, you know, but also pick and choose mm-hmm. your battles. Be, like we said before not everybody is worth your energy is so precious right. as well and you also i i mean i tried to look at this like when you are because and it's such a challenging thing is because you can't beat negativity with more negativity right exactly and like because it's like you think that you a sword's over their head but a sword is actually really over your head as well exactly it's so true it's so true Oh, it's like what Oprah says, like or like a lot of people say. Maybe some, I think with my Angelou, uh-huh. but it's like uh, drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so true. Okay, number four, and this one is important. Highlight, highlight. Take some notes. You're centering yourself on behalf of another group. This mm. happens a lot especially in activism, um, especially in allyship. And what do I mean? So this is what they say in, in the article. Being a good intersectional activist includes looking out for marginalized groups that are not that you're not a part of. It's essentially to stand in solidarity with the groups in order to take on multiple systems of oppression working together against all of us. And sometimes it seems like there's no better way to get performing activism points than to show off your status as an ally. So um, what we mean is like, let's say, for example, if you are um, you identify as male and you are fully into feminism and you are constantly interrupting women to talk about how you are such a feminist. (laughs) No. So this goes back to what we've said on this podcast a lot of times is to be an intern. If you are an ally, Mm -hmm. you are there to listen. You are there to get the coffee. You are there. Get the coffee. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Take some notes. You're there to take notes. You are there to (laughs) file some papers for them. You know, you are an ally. You are there to support. Like, when you yeah. like let's let's take another analogy 
um, you probably Rachel Dolezal. No. Um, <laughs> okay, because that's the that's like you know what you just described like an extreme of like someone like a male like going in and like speaking. Oh, I'm such a feminist, and I'm going to talk about you know how feminism works. And Rachel Dolezal is like off the extreme of like you know what not to do, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. she's like off. Yeah, well, she, I don't even want to talk about her. I want to talk about bras. <laughs> If you are wearing a what? bra, a good supportive oh, bra, okay. you don't know it's there. You just got titties that are perky, up at attention, feeling good, happy, living their life. A bra that is centering themselves is loud and pointy and disrupting, and you cannot wait to get that off. So if you are an mm. unfitting bra in your allyship, that community's wanna will want to get you out. And you are being more destructive mm-hmm. than helpful. So listen. Mm. So like mm-hmm. you'd be like, get out of here, bra. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you could do that too. Yeah. And then explain it. So that one. <laughs> they would they not understand. Wouldn't understand. So I fully underline and circle and highlight. Do not center yourself on behalf of another group. It is not a good look. Number. Not cute. Not cute. Number five. You're engaging in respectability politics to police other people's behavior. This one is annoying to me, and it's really, it's like, I would say, really kind of microaggression-y. So let's say um, respectability politics is basically being like, oh, you're being too loud, black woman, you know, that sort of thing, or like... Oh, you know, why are you being argued, like policing the way that people behave in order to keep them Mm -hmm. oppressed, basically. That's respectability Mm -hmm. politics. So what they wrote for number five. As activists, we can fall into a terrible pattern of standing against shame and judgment by shaming and judging each other. Ooh, that's, that's really good. I love that. Um, we all know how it feels to be judged. That's why we're aiming for the kind of liberation that allows us all to be ourselves without being mistreated. Now, I really mm. feel like this is because a lot of people will be like, well, I'm a real activist. I'm doing this, that, and this. What are you doing? That's not healthy. What needs to be is, oh, I'm an activist. I'm doing this. And these are the ways that you can join in the fight. Instead of being like... Like what we do on this podcast. Exactly. Because if we try to shame or judge people into activism, that will repel people even further away. Like, you don't want somebody to join Mm -hmm. the fight because they feel guilted into it. That fucking sucks. So... Kind of look at your language. Ugh, it's like going to church. Yeah, like yes, exactly. You don't want <laughs> like you that. don't want to go to church because you feel guilty. You want to go because you're like I want to go. Yeah, you want to feel love and peace and helping a, another mankind. You know, instead of like mm-hmm. oh I feel guilty. I'm not doing anything. This is why I'm gonna go do that because that just builds resentment. Mm-hmm. That just like festers, and then next thing you know, you get fatigue and you drop out, and nothing's good at all. A lot of these things, mm-hmm. I feel like, lay in the language. Listen to how you phrase things to people. Listen to the words that you're saying. If you're saying, like, um, why aren't you doing this? Or um, you should be doing this. Or, you know, things like that. That's not healthy. Uh, uh, 
a switch around would be here are some options um just creating a list of things for people to engage in um being an invitation is always a a nice Mm -hmm. way to say hey do you want to join in you know so yeah and also another thing is be realistic to what people can and cannot do too you know like some people just don't got time to be going to rallies but they can they can donate you know or some people Mm -hmm. don't have money so they go to rallies be having and having conversations with other people and stuff too and being about it mm-hmm. and phone banking and there's so many different ways that people might get involved as well. And I think what you were saying earlier, show people, share options, yeah. you know, but it's not like you n- need to do these things, which is like, hey, here's some options of things that you can you know, do. There's a way to get involved at any sort of level, whatever it is. Exactly. It's the truth. All right. And the sixth and final way is you are trying to force someone to be accountable and force is the operative word. So accountability is super important Mm. for our movements. Without it, we wouldn't be able to learn or grow or take responsibility for our part in perpetuating systems of oppression. But unfortunately, asking someone to be accountable doesn't come with a guarantee that they will be. If you are so set on holding someone accountable that you feel like it's your responsibility to make them atone for what they've done, you are forgetting that it's actually their responsibility to step up and be accountable. Mm, Yeah. The pressure of being responsible for someone else's actions can take a lot out of you and you shouldn't have to feel that burden. Understand that you can only do so much. The rest is up to the person who causes harm to recognize what they've done wrong and be willing to make a change. So, basically, I think that's pretty... Make that change. Yeah, I mean... Oh, I, damn yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's when, not good. Uh, um, doesn't that suck? I know, it is. <laughs> Sorry, blowing my nose, I'm sick. Okay. We'll edit that out. <laughs> all right. So, basically, this is all about understanding that you just kind of have to you have to be a little bit passive in terms of bringing someone to the water you can bring somebody to the water but you can't make them drink basically Ooh, it's true so you just give it all and the you tools shouldn't. Mm-hmm. you shouldn't yeah it's like you yeah and you don't want to fish for the person you want them to fish on their own like hey here's a pole mm-hmm. figure it out mm-hmm yeah, so you give them, you give people all the tools. You set it up as far as you can do, and then you you just hope for the best. It's like, I mean, honestly, I could see it's kind of the same as being a parent in the ultimate. You know, you set up your child for the best that they can do, and then you let them fly. You know, so that's and also hmm? too. It seems like you should also be focusing like run your race, right? You know? Right, like. Because if you're just paying attention to so much of what everybody else is doing, there's no way you're probably being as effective as you possibly could be if you're worrying about what everybody else is doing. Exactly. Like the strongest leaders just do and lead by example. You know, like Barack Obama isn't like, oh, you need to start doing this, Michelle, or you know, like he's doing his own. Th- he's right. lead- He's running his race, right. and then people are inspired by the work that he's doing. Exactly. Let people be inspired by what you do. Um. Mm. I basically a lot of these things are just all ways to be a decent person. You know? Mm. That that's just kind mm. of the thing. And a lot of times I've I've noticed this a lot too especially right after the election and this is where I got total fatigued 
everybody was so up in arms and was so like crazed by what happened, well-meaning people started to just rail on each other about why they weren't doing anything and trying to point the finger of where, who did this? Why did this happen? Who let this happen? And it, I didn't understand why it burnt me out so much. And now reading, like really understanding that it, you can't center yourself and your ego in other people's accountability. You know, you just have mm-hmm. to walk the walk. You have to demonstrate. And then you also have to provide tools and a healthy handshake for who is willing to come along with you. So yeah. I hope. And I think yeah. a lot of people were also operating in like a state of fear, you know? And so when you operate in a state of fear, you're not able to see sort of clearly and rationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like it goes back to what you were saying of when you're able to sort of take that beat and take that breath. Uh, and when you are looking at what your intention is and when you're operating from a more loving space, you're so much less forceful again of like what other people are doing because you're so raptured by the passion that you have for what it is that you're doing that like you don't really have time for what other people are doing and again like people will be inspired by the amazing work that you're doing and find their own way and you can give them options and things amen to that so good luck everybody and (laughs) i wish the world well and i will demonstrate as much as i can do personally too me too There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic. Because it's the, the word words bi- for biography biology. and picture. If you... All right, that is enough. Ahoy, I'm Dave Holmes. I'm the host of the newly rebooted podcast, formerly known as International Waters. Designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree! Quizlet Corner, Quizlet Corner, Quizzy, 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 Quizlet Corner. Shake that test for me. Shake that test for me. All right. Yeah, so what's going was, on? Was that okay? That wasn't too forceful, was it? I'm trying to gauge my shake that test for me. Is that too forceful? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it worked. It it applied. Okay, I feel like that makes it more fun to shake it. Okay, so shake that test for me because I was so inspired by my own work last week um, that we're still in ancient times for our Quizlet today. So this is uh, Uh ancient ass Quizlet corner. Boom. Okay. So one of these isn't true. You've got five things and one of them, it's about the past. And one of these, I made it up. Okay. Number one. Researchers are having a difficult time figuring out why two male bodies were buried next to each other in such an intimate way from the 6th and 7th century. Uh-huh. Could be true. Could not be true. Batman existed in Mesoamerican mythology and his name was Kamazotes. Could be true. Could not be true. Okay. 
Number three, the church sanctified marriages in the so-called Dark Ages, with one being the Byzantine Empire, Basil I, and his partner, John. Huh. Could be true. Could not be true. Number four, the world's oldest porn features male-male, female-female, and male-female couples dating back just a mere 1,000 years ago. Ah. Could be true. Could not be Uh true. And your last one, drag was coined by Shakespeare. Wait, what was that last one? (laughs) Drag was coined by Shakespeare. The term drag? Mm Mm-hmm. I, hmm, I'm probably going to, I know the first two are true. Okay, so the first two, yes. Uh, And then the, I, I don't, I'm going to take a wild swing and say the third one is, is not real. <laughs> the uh like, sorry, sorry, sorry. oh the one about the church sanctifying the gay marriages in the so-called d- dark ages yeah that one is true but i'm gonna give you a pass oh, that did happen okay. which is kind of cool way to go dark yeah, ages that is, yeah that is good. yeah they were probably smelly and dirty though as we learned from last week but you know <laughs> yeah yeah so which one's fake uh what's okay yes so going through so uh yeah so this kind of is the one that kicked it all off for me was the lovers of madonna uh it was a recent thing that was discovered i it was i this there were a pair that were discovered in 2007 near madonna and people are still kind of picking it apart because it wasn't often that they would find like pairs would be um buried next to each other which i think is actually really cute and romantic like that love has been a thing for a very very long time so people would be buried Uh next to like their lovers and most of the lovers have been male female what's been really frustrating recently is that like mm, researchers keep going like i just don't understand i I don't i don't know why they were buried next to each other like even the guardian was like thank you aneke can you say it again (laughs) can you say it so the kids in the back can hear you they were they were gay yes literally even the guardian was like well maybe they were cousins or soldiers who died together in battle it's like fuck even in their death they gotta live in the closet Uh uh-uh like that's dumb were gay and so for I love like for myself and like for myself anytime I hear these stories of like gays existing way back when it's just I don't uh-huh. think you understand how reaffirming that is you know like mm. when you yeah, spend yeah, most yeah. of your life and you know growing up it was just it was almost like it was a new you felt like it was this new thing you didn't think right. that for one that it was anybody else who was and then two that, that it was our an hist- ancient old thing it's an ancient old thing when you're taught that for so long that what you are is like wrong like this is a beautiful thing that here it is it's just which makes sense people like to fuck things no matter whatever is their taste or fall in love however it is so totally um also i found in my research that actually even in egypt there were these two royal manicures named Nian Kahman and Kunumtep, they were found buried uh-huh. together in a shared tomb similar to the way that married couples were often buried. And this was about like 2400 BC. So, oh, nice. Old, they're like, right well, on, yeah. yeah. Isn't that cute? Living, loving, living and loving in life and in death. <laughs> um, the number two one about Batman existing in Mesoamerican mythology this was a clickbait thing that I fell for. I mean, it is true, but I read the article and yeah, it wasn't I mean, as. <laughs> 
Yes. It's not true. It's just the armor looks like that. Oh, you saw the same picture. Yeah. So that's what it is. Yes. What it, uh-huh. it tricked me because I thought it was going to be like the arm. So the armor from this guy, uh, the Mesoamerican mythology guy, it looks exactly like the bat cowl, which I think is really cool and really right. fascinating. It's really cool. Yeah. It looks neat. But then when you read the article, it's not about old ass Batman fighting crime. It's just about this God guy who also <laughs> this cult, this culture had a, a interesting relationship with like bats. And it's believed that they were like bats were like these fearful demons in this uh, this uh, in this uh, culture. And it's also believed that there's some part of the Dracula myth that comes from this. Interesting. These, these bats would be biting people. Uh-oh. Um, Number three, we already know, is true. Number four, (laughs) this was the one that was not correct. The world's oldest porn features... Yes, the world's oldest porn. I was being tricky. So I said that it it dates back to just a mere 1,000 years ago. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. The world's oldest porn features male, male, female, female, and male, female couples dating back over 3,000 years ago. Wow. We love porn. So it essentially... (laughs) It's just these early carvings conveying human sexuality, and it shows, again, bisexuality was normal even more than 3,000 years ago. And there were these petroglyphs, these rock cavings um, that were found in the northwest region of China. And it, they oh, believe interesting. It was, yeah, they believe it was a fertility rit- ritual, and it shows like over oh. 100 figures um, oh, shit. depicting different ways of expressing sexuality. I think this is so fucking Wild. fascinating. 3,000 years ago. And also, it makes sense because think about this. 3,000 years ago, what else was there to do, right? I mean, people are people. Like, we're <laughs> not like, I mean, it, it's not like we're changed that much. I, like, yeah. It does make sense. It's like innate. Like, people like fucking and they like recording that they like fucking and experiencing uh, fucking, you know? I, yeah. But it has, like, male images of, I. it's really fascinating. So there's a lot of just, like, I'll link the article that has it of just all the different if you want, really want to read in detail about it, it's got all the different positions that there are, all kinds of you know things that are happening. So, again, Wild. it's been happening for a long time. And also, drag apparently is an acronym uh, oh. that stands for dressed resembling a girl. Oh, it's in a stage direction coined by Shakespeare and his contemporary. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Not I interesting. Know that. Dressed resembling a girl, it's like, huh. and like now I, 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 it, I'm now I'm realizing that I never really thought about what the word drag meant. That yeah, I, just, like, I never actually <laughs> thought what drag meant. I just kind of assumed like, like oh, drag, drag means was just the word that it, meant that drag. Yeah, and An now outfit. you're like. But when you take it apart, you're like, oh, it doesn't really mean anything by itself. But right. <laughs> then when you break it down that's as an acronym. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, you know what? To, this is just a I practice quiz. Qu- well, I was going to be a practice quiz, so don't worry. Uh, oh, okay. Everyone oh, passes today. You. you showed up Yay, in that game, and that's all that matters. Thanks. C plus for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's passing. You still get to play on all the teams. You'll I'm into win. it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do a sports analogy and I couldn't figure one out. So you'll strike the home run on the softball uh, water polo team. Ooh, 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 ooh. What 
an informative episode. Very informative, as usual. It's what we do oh. as we are approaching episode 200 right on the corner. I see you, 200. That's wild. I see you. More episodes. Peek-a-boo. More episodes than years of life that I'll experience. Um, wow. Okay. That's dark, <laughs> but all right. <laughs> but at least we'll get 200 episodes. And as long as the internet never goes away, it'll be left. It's like a time capsule. They'll always be able to hear our voices. So in that That's effort, wild. we will live on forever. Yay! You too can live on forever if you tweet at us and we'll read it, and you'll be part of the live on forever in Minority Quarterland. Yeah, we're at Minority Corner, spelled with a K, and the Twitters. Don't forget, all- you can always email us too at Minority Corner with a K at gmail.com. And you can also write us a review and wherever you're listening, it does help people to find us. You can go to Apple Podcasts or if you're on, I don't know if Spotify does reviews. Uh, check it out. I listen to everything on Spotify. Not, they're not yeah. endorsing or paying us, so this is just me Whatever. giving opinions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't don't you think, oh, here comes that capitalist machine. That. Uh-uh. This is just us squirrel friends sharing our likes. Um, get information and in, get information. Um, and you can also join the Minority Corner Kids Playground Group, which is rocking yes. and rolling. It's yes, on the Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, just search for it. Super much, and thank you all for listening to Minority Corner. Cause together we are we're the, the majority. majority. Love y'all. Bye y'all. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported